podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He is tackled at the 34. And it is over. Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Steve LaCats. I am your host, Justin Howes, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. We are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaCatsPod and follow us, eh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. And also make sure to check us out at UC Uniforms, more so Steve, uh, for all the up-to-date uni tracker info. Um, this week is definitely a move up for the Bearcats. Um, so where we last left off, at least for the two of us, uh, we were previewing the game that we had just played against Tulsa. Uh, the Bearcats took the trip down to dirty Tulsa, Oklahoma, where nothing gets by anyone. Um, I love the old classic line. Can't have shit in Detroit. Can't have shit in Tulsa, Oklahoma either. Uh, the refs wanted to take that one away. I want to know how much Tulsa paid them. and I want to know how much the AAC paid the refs to fudge that one because it was ugly. It sounds ugly. Um, Justin, I have, uh, I had some personal uh, goings on during the game that, uh, um, I, I got engaged on Saturday night. So, um, I, Congratulations, you know, sir. Justin, <laughs> Justin, I host a Bearcats podcast. I'm a lifelong Bearcats fan. You know, someone is special if they somehow interrupt me in Bearcats football. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, we got engaged. It was great. Um, and I was told that I didn't really miss much watching the game and I was able oh. to listen to Jim Kelly and Dan Horde as I was walking the dog before we went out for dinner. Um, nice. So I listened to the last two seconds of the game uh, with Jim Kelly and Dan Horde uh, rec- would recommend listening to them syncing up your TV or just listening on delay to Jim and Dan, because they don't give an- get enough credit for what they do. Uh, they yeah. are great. And uh, sometimes I, uh, uh, you get a, a tired of the national broadcasters. You're like, no, I need some homerism in my life. Right <laughs> so shout out to Jim and Dan, but um, Justin, tell me a little bit about the game. I was able to listen to your post game recap, but um, just from Twitter reactions and listening, it seems like I didn't miss too much. Yeah, didn't. Um, I would like to add, I, I wish that there was an option on like ESPN or just your TV that you could turn off commentators like there is in Madden. And then you could just, just over play over. You can keep the, the game audio, but turn off the commentators and select your own because well, that was a great part. Those about two the, are great. Uh, that was a great part about the uh, college football playoff broadcast last year. Was that, yeah, um, they had the alternate feed where you could listen to your own team's radio, but with mm-hmm. like the actual like radio. It's not the 
AM radio quality. It's like the real legit radio quality, which is yeah. Really, like anytime UC was on like 101, like a Q102 or whatever, that was a great game to listen to because yeah. like the you know the audio was the quality. Clear. <laughs> Who needs yeah. AM radio anymore, Justin? That's Dude. what I want to know. AM is phased out. Don't tell uh, any of our just AM like the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. <laughs> yes, series. just like the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. They come, they look threatening, and then they pass through. And yeah, there wasn't much. There wasn't much. Um, the game, honestly, it was kind of weird. It felt like the Bearcats were in control for the entire time, um, but <clears throat> ultimately came down to 10 points. Uh, as everyone has clearly mentioned, we won't drone on anymore about the refs. Um, the refs are the reason that was a 10-point game and not, you know, 14, 21 plus. Um, I think we could have really run away with it. But regardless, um, it was an interesting game to watch. Uh, I'm not usually one to scream at the TV, at least not anymore. I used to. I've kind of calmed down a little bit. That game brought it right back. <laughs> I, well, my girlfriend uh, asked me, she's like, "How? why are you screaming? Like, what? why are you screaming? You don't need to scream at the TV. And it's like, I, there's a reason. There's <laughs> a very good reason. So, uh, Justin, just to get a little recap on this game, um, uh, because, you know, my Facebook was blowing up from notifications saying congratulations. So, but I was just scrolling through the feed and I'm part of the Bearcats Nation Facebook group. Um, and, oh, nice. Uh, you know, Facebook, uh, it's an interesting world out there. But yeah. uh, I was actually surprised. There was a lot of like good comments, a lot of constructive criticisms, a lot of positive stuff. There wasn't anybody just straight up hating other than on Tulsa, the refs, ESPN's production, uh, which are all fair game in my opinion, because uh, just, I mean, I have it on in the background up here, and uh, I'm it, apparently it looks a lot clearer than it actually did because I guess Tulsa <laughs> time means that you still use SD cameras. So, oh yeah, um, it's it was not great. It it will never. <laughs> I am convinced, thoroughly convinced, football wise, nothing will top the Marshall broadcast, the Facebook oh, yeah. live stream, or whatever the hell that was. That was yeah. awful. Nothing will top <laughs> that in just yeah. pitiful broadcasting. But, um, well, anyway, Justin, uh, let's cheers to ending the series on a positive note. Um, yep. Taking the lead in the series for good because I don't ever see us playing Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, in any sport ever again after we don't have to anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, winning there after their fans said we didn't want the smoke. Um, uh, <laughs> Justin, I'm sure there were just as many people at the Moeller Elder game on UC's campus Friday night. Oh, yeah. As there were at this game at, in Tulsa. <laughs> so um, I, it's just going to be, again, it's one of those things we've talked about a lot, but just as a fan it's gonna be so enjoyable to just go to a place like Stillwater Oklahoma where I mean maybe not as much going on as in like a city like Tulsa but fans care about the football there like yeah the, the stadium is packed that there's an atmosphere like they're not lighting off fireworks early like it's just like there's an actual football atmosphere and I think that's what UC fans have been dying for for years so I'm just very excited about that yeah and honestly like if I remember correctly, I saw this recently. Um, I was looking this up to confirm that, but uh, we're just going to go out on a whim and say that I'm right. Hopefully I am. Uh, that speaking of Stillwater, that is actually uh, one of the oldest stadiums as well. Like right up there, like, you know, within fourth or fifth place, I think the Bearcats sit in third in the country and oldest stadium. So there is definitely a tradition there and there's like a lot of history in that program. Um, and again, you know, being able to kind of switch cities, same state and have a totally different experience, I think would be really fun. 
Um, cause clearly, you know, Tulsa is just another one of those high school gym kind of places. Um, mm-hmm. but regardless, um, with all that said, the Bearcats did crack the top 25 in the AP poll did cover this a little bit in the post game, um, round table review. Um, there were, I believe 10, there probably were more. I just missed them. Uh, teams in the top 25 that lost this week, which is crazy. Granted, there was a couple top 10 match or top 25 matchups head to head. So I think there's about four or five of those, uh, which you're going to have that regardless, but regardless, the other ones did lose. Um, one really interesting one. Speaking of Oklahoma was <laughs> Oklahoma getting absolutely drug through the dirt, bulldozed, flattened by a steamroller by TCU, which I did not expect but shout out to Sonny Dykes. He's got it going there. Um, he has it figured out. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, Kendall Riley too. his uh, Lincoln Riley's younger brother is their OC. And uh, I don't know how long he'll be at TCU, but man, like they've been uh, scheming it up re- or pretty early so far. And like, they've looked very good. albeit against, um, I don't know how you feel about SMU, Justin, but uh, that's a rivalry game. And they looked pretty good for about two and a half quarters. Um, Looked good against Colorado, which again, Colorado, but uh, right. they've looked and like that Oklahoma win is validifying and Oklahoma looks beat up. And they do. I think that's one of the exciting things about going into the big 12 is that <laughs> I sent you this, Justin, but there was a tweet where all of the members that are leaving the big 12 uh, or have left the big 12 already are unranked and Kansas, Kansas state, uh, uh, Oklahoma state, and uh, I forget who the fourth one was, but uh, a lot, all those other teams are ranked. I don't think Baylor's ranked anyway, but um, yeah, uh, four of the four of the remaining Big Twelve teams are ranked. So I think <laughs> it's just such a like a, a cool thing to be part of. And like you know, we're ranked too. BYU's not too far off. Um, it's a cool time to be going into the Big Twelve. And whereas in the Pac-12 land, you know, uh, USC and UCLA are the two biggest stories right now, and they are the ones that True. are leaving out. And where there's been a lot of talk about program stability in that conference, but here in the big 12, I'll, I'll say here in the big 12, we're here. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, I love it. And uh, there's just, just uh, following along with some of the big 12 rivalries this year. It's been great. So I don't yeah. know why I got off on big 12 talk there, but Hey, uh, back to the Bearcats, uh, but <laughs> back in the, back in the rankings that it feels so sweet, my brother. Yeah, it, it's, it is nice. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think we can have a, uh, pretty decent certainty i think we're all just we're having a cautious optimism about the rest of the season um and being able to you know get out squeaky clean against all the rest of the teams it's never an easy feat um and it never will be and i'll kind of get to this in a minute here but um but yeah i think you know it's kind of just going to be a slow climb now it's going to be sort of like last year where you know we're sitting in a spot we want to move up and then we're going to keep doing our business, pay no mind to anybody else, do what we do best, and let the entire rest of college football take care of itself. Uh, and I'm sure that will happen. I actually didn't see, did can so Kansas is officially ranked now too, right? Yeah, so what are they, they are ranked number at? 19, 19. Uh, number 19, right above uh, Kansas State, who's number 20. So they gotcha, got gotcha. uh, a Twitter talk this week. Game yeah. day going to Lawrence this weekend. Uh, yes, so, which will be very cool. Um, I might... Uh, repeal my game day boycott uh, and just watch for like five minutes just to revel in the glow of Lawrence, Kansas for football college game day. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to look up the fourth team um, in that, in that big 12 uh, that's ranked right now, because yeah. I, I really can't think of it. It might be Baylor still, honestly, because Oklahoma state was the higher ranked team, but I'll right. check and get back to you. 
while he's doing that, um, one thing I did want to bring up uh, last note <clears throat> on the Tulsa game and kind of just a season conversation in general, um, Mason Fletcher, he was awarded national punter of the week um, after this game. I would just like to give a little shout out to that guy because um, he's somewhat quietly become a like massive and ever so consistent part of the team so far this season, um, which is not like, I, I think we've seen like in our defense in like penalties, defensive defensively, like consistency wise, we've been pretty good, you know, all around board offense. We've seen flashes. We've seen, you know, down points. We've seen first halves really good. Second half's really good. First half's really bad. <laughs> first half's really good. So it, that whole mix we've seen it all, but I think Mason Fletcher has stayed really consistent. Um, and he's put us in really good field position multiple times. Um, and so I was kind of wondering, like, you know, we saw all this with James Smith when he kind of came in, you know, you have an Australian punter, you're kind of wondering um, what you're going to get just absolute boot for both of them. Um, but I'm curious if you think that Mason Fletcher has the legs to go pro because I mean, he granted like, you know, punters are, you know, not ever really going to get drafted. I think Kevin Huber for at least for the Bearcats was like the one exception. Um, but I think that he's got like a really good chance personally. I think he's consistent. He's, you know, I think he's pretty young still too. And so, I mean, what are your thoughts there? So um, for whatever reason, James Smith is still not in the league, even though um, I'm, I've don't seen understand. him. Well, I think it's just because a lot of NFL, well, I don't think any NFL team uses the Australian style rollout punt. Um, I think yeah. they all kind of just use the head on, uh, straightforward punt uh, and you know just go just go straight follow the formation because obviously there's enough speed in the league where if you try to do the rollout and slow punt like you might get blocked just because someone some dude is just coming off the edge just really fast True. so um i i mean you just would have to edit your style but i don't see why not i mean uh there is uh, i'm not going to say his name because he's a bad guy but um the san diego state punter was drafted last year yeah. I think there was another punter drafted um, ahead of him as well. Yeah. Uh, so, and like, I was kind of surprised that Kevin Huber kept his spot because uh, <laughs> kind of diminishing returns for Mr. Huber. We love yeah. him. We love him. Uh, but I, I think it's fair to say, you know, he's not what he once was. Past but his prime. I, yeah. We'll but that I mean, I, I mean, I could see it, you know, uh, and his brother also punting at Arkansas, yep. apparently doing a really good job as well. But um, I want to take it more from the UC angle, like having a solid punter like that. Like, I don't, I can't really think of, well, I do know who punted for us back in the Tommy Tuberville days because he used to yeah. call me by the wrong name when I would film him <laughs> on the field during practice. And he never knew what my real name was until that one of the other guys was like, you know, that's not his name. Right. Uh, I just, I just didn't want to bother him, you know? So shout out to Sam Geraci, you know, you're, you're my <laughs> dude, but um, uh so, uh, you know, just from a consistency standpoint, and uh, I don't know if everybody knows this, Justin, but Coach Fickle takes the special teams practice every Thursday. I don't know if that's still the thing now with Coach Combs um, in the fold, but he was the one always leading that special teams practice every Thursday, like practicing all the different styles of punts, all the different styles of kickoffs and stuff. And Coach Fickle is very oriented on the special teams, and he takes that so seriously. And that is such a big thing for him because obviously – defensive-minded coach you want to give your defense the best chance to 
stop the other team and right field position is such, such a huge part of that. So uh, I think it's so cool that our coaches taken such an interest in that. And, you know, it, head coaches, like they, they obviously need to be involved in all phases because they are the head coach, but um, right. it's cool to see that he's uh, taken such a, such pride in that because uh, recently, you know, Jeff Collins kind of got fired because he, one of the reasons was that his special teams were never any good. In uh, year four, they were still getting punts and kicks blocked in like, you know, game two. And that's not like, you can't have that. Like that shows yeah. program instability. And maybe we've had a couple like extra points blocked, but I don't think we've ever had a punt block under yeah. unless it was like year one. But um, going back to Mesa Fletcher though, uh, always consistent. I don't think I've seen him hit a duck. Um, Jimmy made it might've hit one, but like him and Jimmy are kind of similar. And I love that Mason was able to learn under Jimmy for a year. Right. Because like, you know, I'm sure he still would have done fine without Jimmy's help, but just seeing how much drive Jimmy had and like how he was able to keep it light. But when he stepped into between those lines, he had an expectation of what he wanted to do. And I'm, I'm love that Mason was able to see that because that's how programs become great is the players have this standard in mind. They pass it on mm-hmm. to the next generation and it just keeps going and going. So um, even in our punting game, uh, we <laughs> need it. So uh, shout out to Mason, man. He's been, he's been clutch this year and the, the NIL thing also very cool too. You yeah. Know, like no one's, I don't think everyone, anyone is ever going to get mad at a punter. Um, not the same <laughs> as a, a kicker, you know, with the right. field goals and extra points, but he kind of saved himself a bullet by, uh, by doing something like that. You know, I think yeah. it's just speak to his character too. True. Yeah. And so this is actually one thing I kind of wanted to um, pivot to um, kind of speaking about some of the things that we might've seen in the Tulsa game. Um, some of the things we've seen throughout the season. Um, today's press conference, um, they interviewed a couple of people. Uh, I kind of hopped into the middle of it, but I got, I think a decent amount of what Fick had to say along with Jabari Taylor and Javon Hicks. Um, but main notes from Fick on, uh, just sort of the season as a whole, kind of what I gathered is that, um, the team still doesn't have like an exactly set identity. At least that's kind of what I'm perceiving from that conversation. Um, and they're still trying to like work through it. Cause he said specifically, he's like, you know, like we've had like 24 practices. We're like five games into the season, but we're still kind of figuring things out. Um, and I think that was kind of in response to, I believe one of Justin Williams questions about sort of the um, consistency of like with the offense and consistency um, from game to game, just having to be able to turn it on every half um, and sort of like where in past seasons we had been able to, you know, or, not been able to, we had to close out the game in the fourth quarter, um, you know, and we had to like kind of overcome some things at the end versus now we kind of like front load our game and then we're sort of playing, you know, keep away towards the end. Um, and so I think that's kind of like a, you know, a thing that we've, I've noticed for sure too, um, is that we should, we should be able to put away teams early and then actually hold it, especially if we're playing our starters. Like, I think last year there were so many times where we put teams away early. Granted, there was much higher score margins last year, but we were putting away teams early and then we were putting in our second strings. This year we're putting away teams early and we're keeping our starters out there. And then we're sort of doing this plateau and then the other teams are starting to catch up. And so, you know, that's, that's one thing that I would like to see um, kind of uh, more consistent there. Um, As far as um, sort of the offense uh, and speaking specifically to like the receivers, 
Um, he said, you know, one of their goals is to not really necessarily go for the home run shots. It's nice when you get those, um, but more so in like the passing game, um, it's about kind of wearing the teams down, you know, and he spoke to the run game as well. And like being a little bit more successful with that this past week. Um, it's nice to be able to sort of grind guys down and grind teams down versus like, you know, you just kind of sneak one in and then immediately, you know, you've got to put, uh, they get to put their offense back out there. You can really grind down their defense when you put them back in the next, next four out, it's going to be a lot easier. Uh, the further you get into the game, um, of course, the adjustments and everything that's going to be different. But as we've seen clearly many times, uh, teams have figured it out at the half. <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody lit a fire in their ass. Uh, but um, one big thing that I wanted to note, which actually it was kind of interesting to hear from a coach, um, you know, I think we talk about it so much as fans, but uh, speaking specifically to the coaching carousel, now we're at the point where I think there's been about five or six head coaches fired so far this season. Um, it's some pretty big time programs. You have Nebraska, you have Wisconsin. Um, I believe Georgia tech too had just fired their head coach. Um, I would be surprised if USF and Jeff Scott don't part ways before the end of the season. Um, that's another program that I think is on uh, coach watch there. And then um, there was another big one that I'm leaving out, but regardless um, some of these programs just kind of like saying goodbye five games into the season, I think just kind of shows like a, there might be, you know, some of the conversation for race of, you know, trying to get the um, you know, the coaches that are most coveted out the door early. If they're, if they're available, it's sort of like the idea of like, say Luke fickle, you know, I don't know for, for some God, forsaken reason luke fickle were fired like right now just out the door every team that is thinking about getting a new coach is going to fire their head coach and start talking to him because you can have those conversations then um and so i guess that's kind of where that's coming from but regardless his points were that uh stability and continuity being here for six years um it's been very important to give a lot of these guys who are in that 18 to 22 year old range um a chance to actually grow and kind of develop them um, and that keeping key pieces in the strength program specifically um, has allowed the team to grow, but not also change too, um, which actually is a really like, I, I found that kind of like a enlightening quote. I, I it, it made me think it felt deeper than it, it may have been intended, but like, it's a good, it's a good point about when you speak about sports in general, like if you have something good going, being able to adapt, being able to change is always good. But if you have something that has worked, if you're able to grow that, but not change your base foundation of what you do, it does allow you to be very consistent. And that's why I think we've been such a defensive prowess team at the core, but have been able to make it to the national stage with everything else encompassed in it, because there mm -hmm. is that core at the team. So um, that was an interesting point that I liked hearing too. Um, and then he said specifically to that coaching carousel for the other coaches, he said that, um, we're in a bad place as far as coaching role goes. And I honestly, I would have to agree um, because he said a lot of these guys are losing the vote of confidence that um, as coaches and not necessarily as coaches, athletic departments, and as, you know, athletic directors who are making these hirings and firings um, are not setting a good example of change and paralleling that to the transfer portal as for when something doesn't go your way or in the way that you thought it would, then you just wipe the slate clean and go somewhere else. And 
I think that's a really interesting thing because like, sure, there's been players that have transferred out from the Bearcats over the years. I mean, I think probably the most notable one that I can think of at the moment. Um, well, obviously Ben Bryant was one that transferred out and then came back. Um, but like Tavion Thomas, you know, transferred out, things were not working for him, just was not going to go his way. Granted, he had a really good, he was one of the, you know, success stories. A lot of guys go to the transfer portal and go to a smaller school and then kind of pilfer out of the system. A lot of guys don't transfer unless you're at a top five, you know, top five, top 10 program. You're, you know, the second string quarterback. Everybody knows you have a lot of talent. People are kind of calling for you to get in and you don't. And then you go somewhere else, which we're going to cross our fingers and pray that Evan Prater sticks around because he is in also one of these situations, as I'll bring up later uh, with SMU, where you have players who aren't necessarily getting to play, have a lot of talent, and now are just deciding to, you know, kind of say goodbye you you sort of fudge your red shirt in a way um and go straight to the transfer portal and it's a way to avoid getting hurt but it's also a way to keep your name in the conversation um and before it used to be bowl games that we'd sit out now we're sitting out whole seasons it's kind of the same conversation that we saw um with like Le'Veon bell with the steelers and some in dak prescott you know these guys that are like gonna sit out games because it's the waiting game it's like you can pay me to sit out and i'm still gonna cash my check and i can go somewhere else and make more money but you could pay me and i could play right now and it's it's sort of this like i don't know yeah I don't, I don't like it, but at the same time, I understand it from a player's perspective. Um, but it's a good point. I think we're not necessarily, uh, we're in it. We're in a point of change. This is a, this, we're going to look back on this in like 10, 15, 20 years at the college football landscape and college basketball, I think as well has become huge for this too, but this transfer portal scene and just see like how everything shifted. Like this is going to be a like huge milestone in sports because I think it's fundamentally going to change that. And on top of that, you have NIL with it too. So mm-hmm. um, I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were too, on sort of this whole coaching carousel and all that kind of going around. It's kind of the big thing to talk about right now. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we, you know, coach fickle joins like Nick Saban is like two of the bigger profile coaches to, you know, make their thoughts known about the transfer portal. And I think, <laughs> I think uh, Coach Fickles is kind of taking the union line by talking about you know, coaches getting fired because, I mean, sure. even though, like, you know, coach gets a buyout to walk away, uh, no one wants to get fired, especially right. in a, such a high-profile job like that, being told you're not good enough, you failed when a lot of these coaches were, like, you know, college football players before that, and they have this mindset of, I'm going to be the guy. I'm going to be the change. Like, I am yep. the one. I am him. And um, <laughs> I just, to me, like, it's weird right now because, you know, big 10, like I, I didn't really think they needed to fire Paul Christ and maybe no. give him another year, figure it out. But like, if they got the money and there's a, a quote that Andy Staples likes to use uh, from one of Florida's old athletic directors that says uh, what should be done uh, eventually must be done immediately. And like, you know, not waiting to make True. things happen, no matter how much money it costs. So um, I think there's uh, an idea that, this is unfair to coaches because of how much the players, uh, you know, are changing and stuff. But if you think about it, Justin, like coaches have always complained about things and like, it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be like the exact system. And so there's a good example of a Nebraska coach. uh, I think it was Tom Osborne in the eighties complaining that uh, the partial qualifier rule was going away when they were joining the big 12 
because that was how Nebraska got so many great players is like they, you, they had a lot of partial qualifier players who either came in with uh, scores or uh, SAT, but they, they had either high school GPA or SAT. They, but now it's both. A lot of conferences, I think all of them, honestly, it might be just an NCAA bylaw by now, they require that you have both grades and, um, you know, the SAT or standardized testing scores to get right. in. So, uh, but in anything, Justin, I think the best coaches are just going to adapt and they'll say what they want to say because um, like Saban is very well known for saying like, uh, is this what we want football to look like when things were changing to the spread? And then guess what he did? He hired, went and hired Lane Kiffin. So yep. <laughs> like, dude, like he, uh, dude's like, okay, uh, yes, you want that. So be it. So um, I think there's a thing too, where um, I, it's not really a thing about, I mean, it's college kids are at like, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, everything changes every day. Like yeah, just from true. recent experience, things change <laughs> every day. And I yeah. wasn't any lucrative college athlete, but like I change my mind about stuff all the time. And like, how many kids do we know just from talking that have like changed their majors once, twice, three times, you know, yeah. like it's, it's supposed to be a volatile time of your life. And, you know, you're, you should be allowed to make that change. And I think when coaches say like, you know, these kids, it's more of just a roster thing than anything else. It's not that they're really upset about it because hell, they probably like, if the kid's out, they're like, good, I can find someone better anyway. You know? Right. And like, yeah. they benefit from the transfer portal just as much as they lose. And like, like, like you were talking about, there's rarely a UC player that is transferred away and like leveled up. A lot of them have, you know, leveled down or like, for example, I just learned that like that Luke Collinsworth kid that we recruited to play linebacker. Oh, um, yeah in the, the 21 class he's now playing basketball at mount st joe like what? like i know <laughs> wow. right like it's just so th- these are all like you know things change like you can be over evaluated as a high school recruit and then if you're not wanted like the coaches are either going to be honest with you if they're nice or they're going to push you out and give you the weed out uh if if they don't want you there anymore. the old and, james you know, hudson <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so um, I think it's a good thing that the NCAA took away the waiver rule. And um, I mean, honestly, Justin, like no one's moving for NIL unless it's like CJ Stroud or something like that. You know, right. someone like the top Bryce Young, like that level of quarterback that is able to make more somewhere else. That's why Quinn Ewers went to Texas. I mean, yeah, like basically just because it was, it was home for him and he's going to make more money. But right. no, like no, no offense to our guys. I love our guys, but. If they transferred somewhere else, they're probably going to make the same amount of NIL, if not less. And like, you know, that's not a slight on them. And honestly, Justin, I think it's more of an idea of like, you want to play and you don't want to be in college and just sit, sit on the bench with your eligibility. Like just from a standpoint of like having the best time in college, like you want to play, you don't want to just sit on the bench and just not have to, you know, not be trusted enough to play. So I really think people are taking it to such grandiose levels when it's really is probably as simple as wasn't good enough to play, wasn't getting enough playing time, wanted to play and just went somewhere else. And so if, and if a coach is going to tell you that they're giving you playing time, like it shouldn't matter whether it's in the same conference or going from Cincinnati, Hawaii to Cincinnati, like let them play. If, they, if yeah. there's a spot that says they're going to play, let them play. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. And I, I think, <clears throat> That's a, that's a good way of looking at it too, because honestly, you, it is a very important thing to remember that 
people at this age in this age group in college are constantly changing and i mean it's just it's the most like, volatile time of your yeah, life unless you're is. like three years old yeah yeah <laughs> and like it, it's it's one of those things where like you're developing in all ways shapes and forms you're developing like physically mentally emotionally like your hormones are going like fucking crazy like you're changing everything changes every day so yep. it, it's it's would be it would be dumb to say like, yeah, you're locked into a four-year contract, essentially. You know, we can't, you can't do that. And it's not like anybody is, but that's, yeah. that's how it feels sometimes, I think, for these guys. And that's why they want out. Well, and I don't think the coaches want that either, because like I said, like, what if the kid just sucks? Like, what if he's not good? <laughs> yeah. And you're locked into having him for three years and he can't leave either. Both of you hate the situation. Like, he's going to find any way he can to get out of it and go somewhere else. Like, he'll quit, right. like, leave the school medically, like, you know those are obviously like, you know, the worst possible examples of that. Right. I don't really think anybody wants that contract. I think it's just a lot of bluster and bloviating from people who don't like that kids are able to leave. But right. I, I think a lot of people, and I think Justin, for once we, our age group, like how we are right now, we're able to remember right away what we were like three, four years yes. ago and say, okay, I understand. And like, I know what these kids are going through and it's not as cut and dry as you, sh- you have to stay here for two, three years. Like, yeah, I mean, the hell, like I have, I've, I've had friends that transferred from UC and they ended up in better situations and good on them. You know, like yeah. people are going to make decisions for what's best for them. And that's just an everyday life thing. That's a job thing. Like yeah. people have the option to choose and, I, I think it's a little bit weird to say, okay, we're going to take away your option just because you play this sport. Yeah. And it's, and that's a good point too. Like it's a, I think we tend to commoditize a lot of players and especially now like the NIL it's, I, if anything, I think that might get worse personally. That's, that's yeah. my own thing. I hope it doesn't, but it's, you can kind of see where that's trending, but regardless um, that's a lot of talk on coaches and uh, transfer portal and everything. Um, speaking though of coaches, there is a record that is up in the air. Um, we are looking at Luke Fickle this weekend overtaking Rick Minter for the all-time wins record. Uh, Swag Lord Rick Minter, shout out. Shout out to Rick Minter. He had um an interesting career with Cincinnati. Um wasn't necessarily all that perfect, but you know, he had a couple bowls in there. Didn't win a lot of the bowls, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, his all-time record is 53-63-1 with the Bearcats. Um, so under 500, Fick uh, is doing this in a much faster pace. Uh, let's see. Rick Minter had, I believe, just shy nine seasons. One, two, three. Yeah, four, I believe five, he had six, 10 seven, seasons eight, because nine, he 10. started yeah. it. No, no. Yeah. Did he have 10? 10. Yeah. Cause he started in 94 and he was let go in 03. Yep. So 10, 10 but, seasons with the Bearcats and fickle is going to do it halfway through his sixth. So yeah. uh, that's a uh, interesting. And also I would just like to say, it is crazy that we are halfway through the college football season already. That is like crazy. I to me. And it's kind of sad. Slipping away. <laughs> you Slipping know, that my fingers gonna, all the time, but, but we're getting that much closer. We are officially 34 days from the start of college basketball uh, as well. So I will take that um, either way, but yep. um, with that, do we think this is in question? It's homecoming. It's USF. USF is a God awful one in four 
Um, they've played some very good teams so far. I will give them that. They played a very solid ECU team last week. Uh, they played Louisville, which is Louisville does not getting any credit this year for anything, uh, and got flabbergasted 43 to or 41 to three, and then also lost to Florida and BYU, who are both ranked. Uh, so their one win was against Howard. And I don't think we have to worry about Luke Fickle surpassing that record this week. Especially at <laughs> home. No, yeah, yeah. I think so. This um, also, speaking of the home field advantage. Uh, this is a great time to put in our home field. <laughs> We're not there. We're not going to be there for a long time. Uh, the Bearcats have 30 straight wins on the board this week. If they can take care of it against USF, not 30 wins yet, but they will have 30 wins in total. If they can take care of the USF bulls, don't think that should be a problem. There's a brief break for our uh, timed out zoom meeting, but big bomb to drop this evening as of about Eight minutes ago now, Jizzle James, four-star prospect for the 2023 class, has officially committed to the Cincinnati Bearcats. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Wes Miller is that guy. He is that guy. This is such a huge landing. (laughs) Shout out. It's this this is so huge for this program. It's It just goes to show after snagging Rayvon Griffith, after after snagging some of the other recruits we've already grabbed, it shows where the program's headed. And I mean, it's one thing to like get a big recruit, like a you know, get a four star, get some, you know, top level talent. But then to do that again and then to kind of keep that being the system, this is gonna be huge. Like other players will see, hopefully Isaiah Collier will see that guys like this committing to this program means that they're walking into an elite program that will help them get to the league, help them go where they want to go in basketball. Um, and you know what they say? I mean, the, this, this top tier talent is only going to attract more and this is that I, I am just so overjoyed. It's it's awesome for this program, considering where it's been and where it's going. And now, especially considering the conversation of going into the Big 12, as we've talked many times over, we're not going to go into that anymore. But this this is huge for this program. And I, I am very excited that he is a Cincinnati Bearcat. And real quick before we move on, like, I mean, I don't even think Hugs was pulling down like five star recruits, you know, like yeah. this is just completely brand new for UC to be pulling down four and five stars. So shout out to Wes, however he's doing it, keep <laughs> doing it, my man, keep it going. And um, there's a, a new assistant coach on the staff now too, with uh, looks like uh, Drew Adams from Bradley, who I think is connected to one of the recruits. I forget which one, but uh, okay. uh, he just tweeted out a picture as well of uh, like the, the cats Jersey. So it uh, looks like he is joining the staff. I forget. I think nice. he's connected to Flory, Flory Badunga. I forget. Okay. But, um, I forget who he's connected to. I'll look that up real quick, but uh, again, very exciting. Um, that is you know, Wes. Wes knows what, to, <laughs> what to do. So shout out yeah. to him. This is this is this is definitely going to be big time for us, and it's going to be exciting now to watch, um, you know, more of these recruits roll in. I mean, I'm sure it's bound to happen. I think Isaiah is supposed to commit sometime soon too. I don't know 
when exactly I, I if I remember correctly, it's supposed to be sometime within the next few weeks, I thought. Um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I mean, with these two on the board, uh, it, it's going to be I, I think it's going to be a plethora. I, I really hope it is. I mean, even if it isn't, we're only going up from here. And, and so yep. this is this is great, 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 Definitely. great, great for this program. Cannot accentuate Definitely. that enough. Um, and you need the players. So. Yes. And you need the players. The movement, with, baby. Shout out to the movement. With that said, shout out to the movement. Shout out Wes Miller. Keep raking in those players. Uh, now on to the end of our show where we will be previewing very quick USF. We've kind of already hit on some of these points, um, but yes, USF coming into this game, sitting at one and four, their only win this season against Howard. Uh, so nothing to really write home to mom about. Um, I really think it's going to be a curb stopping. We've seen this time and again in Nippert um, where, you know, a team that's not so great rolls in, and just has to have the uh they already are in the dumps and they just have to have the sand kicked in their face um by the yep. bully and we will be the bully this week i don't really see how this is going to be a problem at all um there's not really much to talk about other than the fact that uh i think with usf's if i'm looking at this properly here we go yeah uh usf's qb <laughs> uh bohannon currently sitting with 822 yards on the year passing three touchdowns to six interceptions i think that the bearcats defense will expose that um and there's strong possibility that they're just going to be running the ball this entire game uh <laughs> i don't so, think it's going to be uh, happening for them the spread is 27 so, and a half yeah so um i just wanted to let uh usf coach jeff scott who nicely agreed to join us for a pre-recorded segment uh, i wanted oh, to yes. let him preview the game in a quick 45 minute hit so here we go four touchdowns versus man coverage if we give up three instead of four right and a lot of those were on third and fourth down right if we can defend one of those better than we did right that's one less touchdown they have right so that's one play and then let's take the two series that we have inside the five yard line right there in the first half first and goal at the five Gary's going in to score. The guy comes around, knocks the ball out. We fumble it. We get no points there. The last drive offensively, we're going down to score. Get five plays inside the five. We think we can get over the pylon. We don't. We don't score there. Well, that's 14 points. So take away seven of theirs and add 14 of ours. And all of a sudden, now we're leading the game by one with eight minutes to go. And so it didn't feel that way <laughs> at halftime. It didn't. Uh, they were down at halftime 41 to seven, Justin. So. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I need I need you to talk for a second because I you just played that and I'm going to bring something up uh, that I'm sure somebody has. uh, Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I don't even need to say it. Here you go. Professor Scott Steiner. But you look at me and you look at small Joe and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one on one with another wrestler, you got a 50 50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic freak. He knows. And he's not even going to try. So, small Joe, 
you take your 33 and a third chance minus my 25 percent chance and you got an eight and a third chance of winning and sacrifice <laughs> you take my 35 percent chance of winning if we just go one-on-one and then add 66 and two-thirds percent i got a two-thirds chance of winning and sacrifice see you don't the numbers don't, don't lie. lie and they spell disaster for you and sacrifice <laughs> that was the immediate first thing that I thought about. He's just all time clip math it out, deduct everything when you just are going to get your ass beat. Like it, it <laughs> you, you, you got it handed to you fair and square by ECU. And it's going to happen again this week against the Bearcats. Uh, you know, God smite me now if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's do our quick predictions. I don't really think we need to break it down uh, anyway, other than uh, USF is one in five, oh, one in four, and uh, uh, this game is at Nippert. So real quick, Justin, uh, we're going to start with the score, and we're going to go from there. So actually, okay. no, we're going to flip it, put the score at the end. Okay. First touchdown score, offensive, not defensive, offensive for your mm-hmm. Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm going to go Leonard Taylor. I think we're going to try and play some grown man, big boy football. All right. and then we'll just get him out in the flat score in the red zone. Um, Any time takeaway from the defense. Uh, Deshaun Pace had the first one. Um, and I believe Javon Hicks had one as well. But uh, I am going to go with Ivan Pace. It seems like he's been getting in the backfield a lot. I think he's just going to like just knock one out or just strip a dude. Like I think at, at some point he's got to get another takeaway. So. Um, rushing, uh, the rushing was a lot better last week, by the way, just looking at the stats, I'm going to say we go for a hundred, a buck 50, 150 as a team, uh, passing. I think Ben's going to have a big day. I say he goes for 360, 360 around the world. He's going to top his numbers, baby. And like, I think that Miami team could beat that USF team by two touchdowns. Like I, I really don't think it's that close. Miami just lost this weekend to Buffalo, but I really don't think it's that close. Like, you know, they, USF's not that good. I'm going to say the Bearcats win 56 to 10. 56 to 10. All right. That is a that is certified a curb stomping cover. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> I, that might be almost a double cover. You're getting close there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One and a half at least. All right. Um, as for me, I'm going to say first touchdown of the game is going to go to I think it's going to go to Chuck. I think we're just going to be able to run the ball up. Um, I think kind of kind of talked about this running game is going to be a little bit of a focus. Um, it's one of those things where we haven't really got it going as much. And uh, if it's anything like the game we had last year where Jerome Ford, what had like four touchdowns in the first half, maybe we have something like that for our run game this year. So I'd like to see that um, as far as defensive takeaway, I'm going to go with the other pace brother. I'm going to go with the Sean pace. Um, I think that I'm going to cash in there as for, rushing yards i'm gonna say this is gonna be a hundred and hundred and sixty yard effort from the bearcats um and as far as passing yards i'm i like your number it's up there it's very ambitious but it's a solid one i'm gonna go somewhere around you but i'm gonna go about 335 getting a little more specific this week we're going halvesies now not clean tens and as far yep. as my final score, um, I would like to bring up the Bearcats so far this year, averaging 40 points a game to USF's 24 um, points allowed per game. USF is letting up 38 to the Bearcats 20. Um, 
with all that said, the spread being 27 and a half over under being 49 or 59 and a half. Fuck it. 52, three Bearcats. There we go. I love it. I think that's a pretty, I I think honestly, USF is just going to struggle to score in this one. And it's going to, they're going to light them up. We haven't seen the Bearcats defense hold anybody yet uh under 10 this year which is something that they do every season and they like to do it around this time mid-season so i think this is going to be the time we do it i think we uh did that to who did we do that to last year uh it was somebody Uh, at home temple temple yeah yeah 52 to 3 i think that was the score actually 52 to 3 so yep maybe we'll see it again uh and the bulls will Take another L. Maybe Jeff Scott will be on the pendulum this week. We'll see. Two final words for you, Justin. Horns down. Horns down. Horns down. Horns down. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. This has been Viva La Cats. Again, if you're not following us, make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen, which hopefully you're listening to us now. Otherwise, I don't know how you've got this information. Uh, <laughs> make sure to follow us on Twitter as well. And please, 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 check out our post-game Twitter spaces. We love when people can get on there and interact with us. Um, it's a lot of fun and just kind of nice to get some fresh voices in there and maybe gives you a reason to come back every week too if you don't really like listening to our voices every time. So <laughs> with that being said, thank you guys for listening. We will uh, check in with you after the USF beatdown. Happy homecoming. Go Cats. Roll Cats. Roll damn Cats. Sports Social Podcast Network.